We are this day, this Easter day, hearing Luke's version of the resurrection of Christ. And we are in chapter 24. Let us hear this story with fresh ears once again. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Something that struck me this week is that almost our routine is a little strong of a word, but um, I'll go ahead and use it. How we preachers Every year we traffic in this story. And we try to figure out something that we can say, something new, something remarkable, profound maybe, about resurrection. And when we consider this story with all of its violence, its horror, its grief. How can that be routine? In some ways, it's almost like experiencing emotional whiplash to go from Good Friday to Easter Sunday morning. We gathered in the garden room Friday evening and we heard the story of the crucifixion, and we left in darkness and in silence. And then we come to Easter Sunday morning, and we try to wrap our heads around this idea of Christ's resurrection. And in many ways, that's how, quote-unquote, the world is, is it not? We hear of Profound suffering and violence in our world. Our world, as so many have said, is a Good Friday world, is it not? 
And then we come to the idea of Christ's resurrection, and there's that, that whiplash. How do we move from Good Friday and lives that are dominated by a Good Friday campaigning season, <laughs> a Good Friday type of world, to this idea of God's resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's like the buzz of the Good Friday world just gets so loud and dominates so much of our living that we have to pause for a little bit and make some space for ourselves to consider some of what it means to follow a Christ who has been resurrected after such suffering. And this idea of wrapping our heads around resurrection is something that takes place in the text. The women go to the tomb on Sunday morning and they are expecting to find one they had loved who has been executed. And they are expecting to find the dead body there and they want to wash and properly prepare the body because they didn't have time to do that on Friday. And lo and behold, there's nobody there. And so when they take this news back to the disciples, of course they think it's this idle tale. I mean, really? Really? Stop and think about how long it would take us to get our heads and our hearts around this idea that, wait, there's nobody there. There's, wait. Wait, uh, wait, do you remember what he said? He, he did say that on the third day he would rise again. And I wonder if this knowledge came to them quickly or did it take them days or did it take them weeks? Even though the resurrected Christ began to move among them, did it take them a while to come around? Just as it takes us a while. To come around. This week I turned to the Journal of Preachers. It's a, uh, a little journal that, um, that I subscribe to. Um, as I um, often do during sermon preparation, I like to consult and see what these scholars have to say. And I ran across a brief sermon. A very brief sermon by a man named Tim Simpson, I believe. I hope I have that, I'm remembering that correctly. And it is the sermon that he preached last April, last Easter, excuse me, which was April the 5th. And there was a notation at the top of the sermon that he died on April the 7th of metastatic kidney cancer. And in this sermon, he quotes one of his teachers, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, saying that actually Easter is a verb. Easter is a verb because it describes God's Easterly activity in the world. That what God is always about is about Eastering, about bringing new life into every Good Friday situation that the world can throw at us. See, 
if Easter is a verb and God's activity is Eastering activity, then those of us who follow the rabbi from Nazareth who was resurrected from Jesus can also become Easterly people ourselves, can we not? We can become verbs. We can become God's answer to the violence and the suffering and the pain and the loneliness in the world. And if we do become that, if we become Eastering people, then what we come to know is that everything that we see around us, which seems to be so Good Friday, is temporary. The poor will not always be poor. The sick will not always be sick. The suffering will not always suffer. The dead will not always be dead. But will rise again. For that is the promise that God has given to us in Easter. That is the call that God places on us is to be Easterly people who do God's peacemaking work in the world. This good creation that God has created for which God has the best plan in the world for the world's thriving, for the world's new life. And as an Easterly people, we can say, with all of those who have gone before us, the Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.